All right, everybody. Thanks so much for stopping by another live episode of Real Estate Titans, sponsored by Lionbolt Media. I'm your host, Greg Fowler, traveling throughout the marketplace, interviewing the top real estate professionals in our field, essentially gathering insight, inspiration, really drives and motivates these top producers above and beyond everybody else in what I'd like to consider a real estate titan. Now, our very special guest and featured titan for episode 256, all the way from Lexington, Massachusetts, I say, right here in Massachusetts, none other than Andrew Marquis. Andrew, it's an honor and a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks so much for having me today, Greg. Psyched to be on. Oh, this is going to be so great. And I can't wait to dive into the series of questions. Everybody out there in the Titan Nation, just to get to know you, Andrew, what makes you tick, takeaways, tools, and everything in the business in and of itself. So uh, let's just dive in with the first question, which is really telling everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, what got you into the biz, and kind of your journey and progression to today. Yeah, no, definitely. So I grew up a New England sports fan, Greg. I, I grew up on the North Shore, a uh, small place called Wenham, Massachusetts. People might know it as Hamilton Wenham. Love it. Um, <clears throat> my brother and I and my folks, we grew up right in Mass, uh, about 20 miles north of Boston. And um, it's funny, you know, growing up here, I, I always thought about like, you know, I wanted to get into finance. I started off in computer science at UMass Amherst. And uh <laughs> I actually ended up transferring into finance and I thought like, you know, I'm going to be an investment banker. I'm going to move to Manhattan. You know, back in the day, that was kind of like the fantasy job. Um, I was very good with numbers. You know, that was kind of my thing and um, had all, you know, straight A's in the school of management, almost failed out in computer science before, but we'll forget (laughs) about that. Um, But got into finance, you know, thought about investment banking and then got out of college. And I remember all the job offers I had were like, $36,000 $36,000 a year, or $41,000 a year. And at the time I was renting uh, just outside the city in Somerville. And I said, I can't afford my car payment of my rent if I'm making 36,000. Like I, I'd have to be like ramen noodles. And so I, I had, you know, I've been considering these options. I'm going to the gym with a buddy and um, I bumped into another friend. He's like, you, know, you should try this mortgage thing. You should try I said, what mortgage thing. I don't know what that is. Like, what do you mean by that? And he, um, you know, he said, Greg, like, I can introduce you to someone that runs this mortgage office and you can learn how to do mortgage. I said, what does that mean? Do mortgages? I don't, I I hadn't owned a home. I didn't know what a mortgage was. You know, I was just out of college, wet behind the ears, had no idea. I never thought I would even be in sales. Like it was just completely. And, um, you know, it was basically, I, I met this person, I get into this office, they hand you a phone book and it's like, start making phone calls. I'm like, Phone calls about what? <laughs> what Again, I, I didn't know the terminology. I didn't know what fixed rates were, adjust. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know what the interest rates were. Mm. So, um, you know, there was no training. And I think, you know, it was basically I was on a dialer system. So like people would answer the phone, you know, hello, you know, and I probably in a day I'd make about 200 calls, let's say. And I would get hung up on 197 times every day. And, and usually with profanity, you know, yeah. boom, not a, you know, boom. <laughs> and, um, I, you know, and it was like, I, I think my parents would say, like, how was work today? I'd say, don't ask, you know, like, <laughs> don't even like, you don't want to know. You really don't want to know. And um, I think it was about six months in because I really had no training at all. It was about six months in that 
the whole thing sort of clicked for me. It was like, okay, I know what interest rates are. I understand all the terminology. I could overcome obje- uh, objections. Mm-hmm. And I closed, like I had a big commission check. I want to say it was my t- six month and I made about 20,000, right? Wow. Yeah. I remember I was 23 years old. So I was sure. like, wow, like this is pretty good. And I like, it was right when I was on the brink of quitting too, Greg. Like it was Ooh. right there where I was ready to just throw in the towel And I had this big month and I remember like some of the the bigger guys in the company from New York had come in to Boston and took us out to eat. And anyway, like I say from there, the rest is history, right? And here we are 20 years later and things have evolved quite a bit since then. And but that's a story. So oh, my gosh, Andrew, and I, and I love that. And, and obviously with your, your financial background and being good at numbers and that being uh, a smooth progression into your life, it's obviously continued the 20 plus years that you've you know served in the real estate and the mortgage industry specifically. Um, and you've had so much growth. I mean, I'd, anybody who doesn't know Andrew and the stats, I mean, they're, they're massive and, you know, just doing uh, kind of pre-research prior to the call in addition to, but I mean, your, your national rankings and just the amount of volume that's being done. I mean, you, you are top of your class, my friend. So it, it's, it's no, no surprise that the, the straight A student, you know, continued on into the straight A grade book into, into the real estate and mortgage industry. So let, let's talk about that. So you went from literally making those calls to having that break, you know, that month and that big commission um, at a young age, what was it like progressing through your career to, to where you are to today? Drastically different. So what, what was that like, you know, just to paint a picture? Yeah. So, so this was 2003 and, um, you know, we had had kind of a crazy market. You know, I, I went through that whole financial catastrophe, you know, meltdown situation where, Back then, you could really do a loan for anyone. I mean, I we don't want to go down that rabbit hole today, Greg. But <laughs> sure. like, you know, like people could cash out refinance at 100% of their value of their home. They could do no income verification. They could have all of it. And so mm. I think everyone that was in the field that time was really focused on refinance business, right? It was like anyone could kind of refinance. They could use their equity to buy 12 other properties. I mean, we've all seen the movies. It's like, the hairdresser who owns like, you know, 20 rental properties or, or the, the pizza delivery, whatever it was. So yeah, yeah. we, um, you know, we were doing that. And then I remember specifically like a trip I took with my wife and we went to Florida. And at the time, like companies were start, starting to go out of business. Like I was like, that loan didn't fund, like it closed, but the company had no money for the, the transaction. So at that time, I started thinking in my head, I've got to switch my business plan to purchase business. Right. So like, refinance business was very cyclical and it was it was like loans were growing on trees but that was all about to change mm. and what i really looked for is i looked at well how can i get purchase business how can i get a constant influx of purchase business and it was really at that time working with real estate partners you know real estate agents and brokers and um you know what i came to find out is like generally they they run into the client first that's just the way it is in our industry And the more that we can help them run into more clients through coaching them, creative options, helping them sell, you know, on how to do the job, because ultimately, like, it makes sense to buy a house. Everyone wants to buy a house. But until you know the numbers and how to do it financially, it's like this, like, overwhelming hurdle. And so the more that I could, like, 
sit with agents. And I really built these relationships one by one by one by one. But the way I looked at it is like, if you can get a deal from an agent, it's like, that's the first one. It's like, you've got to get your foot in the door. And it might be a, a, a tough loan that's got to close quickly and the client's not really well qualified. And, you know, that's what you're going to get. You're not going to get the $2 million buyer with 20% down when it's the first deal. You're going to get the one that three other lenders said no to. And so I slowly worked my way through that. And I would eventually get into offices where I could speak to bigger groups or teams of real estate agents. And you try to but initially, it was literally the one-on-one lunches, the one-on-one coffees. And, you know, I, I owe a lot to my father. He was an engineer growing up, never missed a day of work. Like he was, you know, 40 years. And it was like, I thought you were sick. We did, There's no such thing as sick. You know, it was like <laughs> oh, almost like militaristic, the habits. Yeah. And I feel like I, I never looked at this job as like, oh, you know, today I don't feel good. Or, you know, mm-hmm. t- today I'm you know, like it's very, very habitual the way that I run my job. And I, you know, I, I probably work too much, but I think that's what I owe a lot of it too, is like, I'm very, very hardworking and systematic. And I, so I think there was a big shift in my business, probably in that 2000 or 2008 or 2009 range, where I went from that refi to really focusing on the purchase. And it's like, I run my life and my business off the purchase business. When the refis come, it's like bonus income. It's discretionary. It might happen. It's great when it does, but we can't rely on that. Right. And I think more than ever, 2022 is a year that's tested everyone that way, for sure, especially the second half of this year. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and Andrew, I love the fact that you're breaking it down to to the basics. I mean, you started out on the phone, and then that I know that that sends chills down to a lot of people's memories to say, "Oh yeah, I remember being there doing that." And then you look at the one to one conversations with real estate professionals, providing massive amounts of value and helping them be better at what they do. So in turn, you can grow together. Uh, getting in front of larger groups and then, you know, expanding the relationships because it is a people business. At the end of the day, it's relationships and doing good by others to others and and providing the the best service possible with everybody involved and taking that to a higher level and scale. So let's talk about that because everybody nerds out on the numbers and gets excited there. So you really saw the shift in the change and you really kind of double down, triple down. What was it like kind of building your team and really increasing those numbers. I mean, the amount of overall transaction, and this might not be up to date as, as of today, or it may be, but 1,881 loans closed. Does that sound right? Or is that low now? That was last year, I think. Yeah. Okay. So even more. <laughs> yeah. so, th- th- this is not your first rodeo, my friend, but as right. it's grown, like, what does that part look like? Because the amount of volume that you do, I mean, yeah. so, and I just want to make sure, is this stat accurate too? I'm not, again, trying to toot your, ho- your horn for you here, but number seven in the nation, is that, is that, that accurate? Was, yeah, that was accurate. Yeah. Okay. I mean, come on, Andrew, that, I, I, I want to hear more about that. So getting <laughs> there, like, what does that look like? Yeah. So, you know, when you run the business, Greg, you you start to realize, and I say this to everyone in our business, we're not selling real estate. We're not selling mortgage loans. We really just need leads. Like everything is where can we find more leads? And so if I can get more, if the realtor can get more leads, I can get more leads. And that's the way I try to look at the business. And so in terms of scaling, the, the most, most limited resource is what time, right? We only have so much time. And so for me, I figured out that like, I have to 
Absolutely. And I know everyone says this, but the top people do it the best, right? Mm -hmm. My time needs to be 100% on sales and driving leads. Mm -hmm. And again, everyone's going to say, oh, everyone says that everyone, but I really do it right. Like, like for me, it's almost gets to a point where if I'm working on something that's not closing a sale, driving in more leads, I'm almost like upset. Like, I'm almost like, why, you know, am I like, showing someone how to upload a bank statement or like, why am I giving someone a phone number, how to make their mortgage payment? And like, you, you need to like push back on your team and hire people into roles where you can really like, and it's, it's incremental, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, I need to slowly pull away from the minutia. Right. But I have to, you know, my wife said it, said it once. Great. Right. She said, Andrew, people don't care to hear from you. Like you think like everyone needs to hear from Andrew Marquis. They don't care about you that much, Andrew. They just want to hear from someone. So like if they have a question, as long as the question's handled thoroughly and efficiently and quickly, they're happy. It doesn't need to be Andrew Marquis. It doesn't need to be Greg Fowler. Mm -hmm. So like for me, it's really, how do we provide that excellent service? But they know that I'm here. Like the client knows I'm here. Um, and I'm very, very good with the sale, setting up the deal, the most integral parts of it, making deals work where others can't make them work. But then as soon as I have that deal positioned, I extract myself, I let the ball roll downhill and I start moving on to something else. Right. And then slowly I teach my team members to help with some of these deals. You know, it could be a late night deal or a weekend deal or a deal with, you know, now I have an eight and a 10 year old, right. I mean, you have a, almost one-year-old and a four-year-old. And like I said, time is limited. Mm -hmm. So like the more that we can, you know, develop that team, but it, it, it's very hard to let go of the controls and it's, it's, there's other teams that have grown bigger and quicker, but I feel like we've really maintained a great product, a great process. And, you know, I I do think back like the six months of the cold calling and I go like, it was brutal. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie to anyone. Like I'm pretty tough. I'm very resilient. And like to do 200 calls a day and have, you know, 190 of them swear at you and tell you you're an a-hole or whatever it is, (laughs) click. it's just like, it's pretty disheartening every single day. But what I will tell you is being at my level now, I'm not afraid of anything. Mm. So like I have a client that I'll talk to and they'll say, oh, I don't want to buy a house. And I can convert that sale like this now because I went through that boot camp, right? When I was 23 years old. And so it, that's kind of molded me to where I am today. And I, I, and again, I was like on the brink of quitting. Wow. It's the way that you break that down though, Andrew, again, it's because you're a practitioner and you've been through those processes in your life. Uh, So many people look to the, the peak, right. Or the apex. And they say, Oh gosh, you know, look where Andrew is and look what he's done. But they're not necessarily taking the time to reflect on all the time and the effort and the learned nature that took you to get to that point. And, and, and I love the fact that you're sharing that and just being open and honest with it. And, um, you know, as you progress and, and you mentioned bringing on the right people for support and, and really identifying your highest and best uses of your time to really maximize what's happening and, and always looking at it from a growth pattern or a scaled nature. And, and speaking of, you know, growth pattern, scaled nature, just massive news. And I, I would love um, your take on why and, and what's going on with you with cross-country mortgage. 
this is big. This is a massive thing. And again, somebody of your caliber making a move, there's a very serious reason. And obviously it's for greatness and taking things to another level, but I would love to hear it from your perspective as to uh, what does that look like for you and the team with cross-country mortgage? What does it look like for your real estate partners and obviously the consumers that you serve? I would just love a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. No, great question. So I think the biggest thing when you when you say that, what resonates with me, Greg, is <clears throat> the entrepreneurial nature, nature of cross-country mortgage. So when you work for some larger companies, I'm not going to be specific, they're very can be regimented in certain ways of like, this is the way we're going to do business. And, and cross-country is very much like empowering you as an individual or empowering you as a team to design it the way that works for you. And the way I look at that is like, every market is different. Every client base is different. Every team is different in the way they conduct business. So to have a great team behind you that has a ton of loan programs, a super robust portfolio of programs, excellent pricing autonomy, where we can price loans, where we need to price loans to be competitive, where we need to be, but also to design a process that's incredibly consumer friendly. So like in my past, the best way I would describe it is when you do a deal, right? Like I'm at the point where it's not even so much the realtors that refer me business. It's the past clients. You know, you get to a point where you've done so many transactions that every day it's, I got your name from so-and-so. And a lot of times the so-and-so could be a realtor. It yeah. could be a financial, it could be a client from 20 years ago that, oh, I, you know, I had a client call me recently that we refinanced. I did his loan 10 years ago, the last time I talked to him. Wow. But it's like every deal you do is a new referral tree, right? And so the customer experience and the referral partner experience is paramount. And I felt like um, for me, I want to have it set up where I talk to a client, I do a great job setting the expectation, and then I have an expert employed to take that client from cradle to grave, right? So I, I talked to Greg, we say, you know what, we've got a great interest rate, our monthly payment sounds awesome, this is how much money we need to buy our home. Um, where do we go from here? Greg, so-and-so is going to get in touch with you, she's going to have you upload a few documents. I just got to clear to close on a loan today, it's December 20th, Greg, it's closing February 24th, it's, it's 60 days clear to close, ready to go. Hmm. You know, we send the closing documents out as soon as the loan is clear to close. So we're not, even though that loan's closing in 65 days, we're sending out closing documents. So the quicker we can move things forward, but that entrepreneurial spirit where we can grow this thing the right way, we can design the process the right way, we can market the way we want to. It's, it's got a, a much better trajectory for someone like myself who's been in the business 20 years and I want to start looking at growing this thing at some point towards a succession plan, right? Like I, wow. as much as I love, you know, doing a hundred loans a month, you know, <laughs> it's, it's hard, you know? So I sure. think the more we have a foundational platform to recruit to and help more people, it's, it's just awesome, you know? And, and like I said, we have so many different unique programs that others just, you know, may not have. So mm. It, you know, it's 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 always massive to hear the perspective directly from you, from the producer, from from the Titan directly, because you are making decisions based off of years of expertise and knowledge. This is not a just quick to say, hey, let's make a move, let's make a shift. There's changes and adjustments. So I, I'm I'm just I'm really excited about your new home for you and the team. And I know that everybody out there is is going to be equally beneficial um, to this process. And as it continues to grow with one another, uh, that's huge. And, and I will definitely have 
uh, links in the show notes down below uh, for cross country mortgage. Everybody wants to do any research, that sort of thing. And then obviously get a hold of Andrew directly. But Andrew, I, we, we talked a little bit in the green room about this and, and you are a, a numbers uh, man and, and really, really on the ball with where things are going. But no pun intended, you don't have a crystal ball uh, when it comes down to that. But Let's talk a little bit about your perspective into the market because everyone wants to know from a true pro, where do you see it going into 2023? And as you told me, you get asked this quite a bit. So where do you think? Where do you see? Yeah, I think the biggest issue, Greg, where I'll start off with what's kind of struck us over the, the second half of 22 is the uncertainty, right? So I think that the market has been so uncertain with what the Fed's going to do to combat inflation. And every time someone thinks the Fed's done raising rates, he makes a comment of, oh, I'm not even close yet, right? And then the market heads in a tailspin. So I think the biggest issue with us isn't the actual interest rate. I think that's a big component, but I think it's the uncertainty. I think people, people are in the media. The media jumps on the negativity. They talk about declines in home prices. They're not at all looking at localized markets. They're talking federally which isn't really helpful to someone that's looking to buy a home in Boston, for example. But I think that's the biggest issue is uncertainty. And what I would say is that 2023 is going to bring certainty. And what I mean by that is inflation will get under wraps. I think we're getting close on that. And I think once we can get some level of certainty where those interest rates are, are, are actually going to lie, Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're going to be between five and six. I think when they get to seven and eight, I think it's a little bit of a tailspin right now. Again, I know they used to be 14% and all that. I know all that stuff, but I still think five to six is where we we'll ultimately lie. And I think once we have solid footing on inflation, I think that there's so many people in the market that still have not purchased a home that are still renting. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that are in a three bedroom. They really need a four, a two, they really need a four. And I think that they're they're waiting. They're saying like, where are rates going to go? Our house price is really going to go down, like I keep hearing on CNN. But I think that between the certainty of people going, you know what? I'm t- rents keep going up, inventory is still low. Right. What's the alternative to owning a home? And I think that at a certain point, a lot of these people are going to get off the fence and say, you know what? Rates are five and a half percent. Home prices aren't going down thirty percent. We need that extra bedroom. We're growing our family. So what if our payment's going up 500 bucks a month? Yep. You know, I just talked to someone today and I said, my payment's going to go up 300 a month. I said, that's $3,600 in a year. I said, don't you think you're going to get a raise at some, like they were both teachers. So they get an auto raise every year. Yeah. I said, you're right. That's actually going to cover that in a year. So it, it's, it's, I think it's the mentality and people really understanding, but I do think that we're going to get a big push with, I don't think refinance business is going to be all that great. I think it might be better than the last six months, but I think the purchase market could stabilize somewhat. And I think that there's a lot of bad stuff that we're moving past, right? During COVID, it's something like what? 75% of people, Greg, are dissatisfied with their home purchase Wow. that bought during COVID because they bid way over asking. They had to make a decision in two hours to buy a house. They waived their home inspection. And they're looking back going, okay, well, it's great that I have a 3% interest rate, but I didn't even want this house. I don't like (laughs) the house. So would you rather pay 200,000 over ask on a house you don't know if you want that doesn't have a home inspection to get 3% or the asking price for a house, pay 5%, do a home inspection, make a deliberate and thorough decision. I don't know what's better. Wow. So, right? I I think the way that you had mentioned it and the latter is better in my opinion. 
um, you know, personally, really taking the time to evaluate not just short term, midterm, but also long term location, 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 as they say, you know, schools for kids and, and what's going for commute if you have one, um, you know, and I think always looking into the future for resale, um, you know, that to me makes a ton of sense. And, you know, as everyone always says, you know, when is the best time to buy or sell? It, it's, it's a very personal thing right? It's, it's, it's for a life. I mean, why do you buy or sell? It's not just because you feel like doing it. You wake up one morning and say, Hey, I feel like listing my house today. Today is the day it's, you got a promotion. You're moving cross country. Your family has just grown or expanded. You just got married, right? Uh, you just got divorced. The, the life happens yeah. and people have to do these things. So to your point, I, I agree with that. And, um, I love how you mentioned 2023, and uh, I, I'm in that that camp as well. I, I think that having that certainty, um, the 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 pent up demand is there. There's no denying. And um, I, I think that you're always going to need a great place to live. And and thinking about your life. And as you mentioned, the 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 several hundred dollars a month. I mean, if you add that up over a year, okay. And and money is hard to get. I get it. We all work hard for our money. But at the end of the day, you got to think about how you're enjoying your days right? Yeah. It's $300 a month versus you having that extra bedroom or two. So your kids aren't fighting every day or that you have room to have a gym in your house so you can get in shape or yeah. be in a better area so that you can have the good schools for your kids. Like is the $300 really going to make an impact at the end of your life? I mean, I I'm mean, drinking instant coffee right now from Trader Joe's. I like, <laughs> it, it sounds terrible, but I don't need to go to Starbucks every day. There's my $300. You know? <laughs> I love that. You're a man after my own heart, my friend. I love this, Andrew. This is great stuff. Uh, and I, I love how you just rattle this off. I know that this just comes right out of you. So I, I do want to go into the next portion because everybody wants to learn from the Titans and really for perspective on what you've done to grow and scale your life and your business. So Andrew, the, this next question is if you could really look back at your career thus far, and pick or choose one or two things that you add or implemented that really move the needle that you saw shifts and changes, what would that be? Now, I know you gave great advice earlier, obviously, kind of meeting one-on-one -on -one and then showing tons of value and providing those relationships, but anything above and beyond that or anything different that uh, we could take away from, from the audience? I'd love Yeah, it, it's a little bit in line with some stuff I've said earlier on the call, but I would say definitely to focus you know, again, 110% of your time on driving leads and sales. And what I mean by that is staffing up, you know, and you might be starting with one assistant. I'm not saying you need a staff of 15 people, but it literally might be if you're doing five loans a month or 10 loans and you can work with one assistant and say like, this is what you're doing. Like you're taking the file from setup. And what I mean is like, sit down in a day and look at your, your schedule of what you do in a day and anything that isn't driving leads or new business or converting sales, strip that out, pay someone else to do it. And I think that driving those leads, you need to think strategically of like, because there's a lot of loan officers looking to get leads from the same sources. Sure. And so what are you doing to differentiate yourself in terms of the way that you help that partner get more leads, right? Are you teaching them tactics? Are you connecting them with marketing ideas? Are you, because ultimately at the end of the day, like, I look at it, our referral partners are looking at us as a team member and a reliance. We're ensuring their commission. Someone said to me once, right? Wow. Closing the loan is the easy part, right? Like if you send me that loan, it's getting closed, but how do we get you to get more loans or more transactions, more closings? So I would say definitely that, that 
um, specialization of your skill set is like probably number one. Um, you know, number two, it's just basic hard work, Greg, like you Mm -hmm. cannot, you know, like go to the gym at 5am or 6am work out, like get on the phone, like don't, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think there's too many people that like get into this and they treat this business as like a hobby or something. (laughs) I don't like, it's, it's very hard work. Um, you know, but I think, you know, and simplify it. Like when you're speaking with a customer, simplify the process. Don't start using all sorts of terminology and acronyms. And what does a client want to know when they're buying a house? What do they want to know? Two things. Mm. What's my monthly payment? How much do I need to buy the house? Right. Is really the rest of it. Now you might review a couple of, a couple of programs and you might, you know, it doesn't, but at the end of the day, someone just wants to know my monthly payment, how much money do I need to buy the house? And that's it. And if you can make it simple for people, you can make it fun. You can make it easy. You're responsive. They're going to use you and they're going to refer you and they're going to become raving fans. And that's the way you're going to grow it up. Andrew, you are a true pro, my friend. And again, I know this is just the tip of the iceberg for the knowledge and expertise that you bring to the table, not just to consumer base, but to real estate partners and, and experts alike. And um, I just love the information that you shared for everybody to take away. And it's true in nature. Uh, there's no, you know, elevator to the, to the top. You got to take the stairs, um, sort of mentality and with the hard work and dedication and consistency, anything's possible. I I mean, look, look at what you've done with your life and your career. And, and I, and I love examples like that. Um, and, and you're being true to the word and nature of how it took you to get there and what you set up and structure very intentional. Uh, and, and I love that. That's what everyone needs to hear. They need that that exact uh, you know roadmap or blueprint. But what I would state to everybody out there, please follow Andrew on all social platforms. Really reach out to this man. If something stuck out to you, connect with him. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's important that we all connect with one another and learn and grow and share. I know Andrew is a super busy guy, so uh, you know, be, be patient if you DM him. Uh, you know, give him some time to get back with you. Uh, you know, I definitely uh, want to go there. But Andrew. Um, I can't thank you enough, my friend, for taking the time, uh, really just to share that, that moment with us and telling your story and and giving advice. But, um, I do have to WN as official real estate Titan. So that is a badge of honor that you can carry with you forever. No one can take it away. Uh, I always say there's no trophies or plaques, but it's in your heart, my friend. So, uh, thank you so much. I I can't thank you enough. Thanks so much for having me today, Greg. This is great. And, and Andrew, I do, I do want to ask you, what's the best way for everybody to get a hold of you? Um, if they really do want to connect, if they want to learn more about cross-country mortgage, what's the best way? I, I would say email me. Um, so my email is just Andrew at Marquee CCM. So my last name, CCM, crosscountrymortgage.com. So we can, uh, of course, attach that as well to the presentation. Perfect. We'll do it. I'll have that in the show notes uh, down below too. So um, definitely reach out to Andrew. Can't thank, thank you enough, my friend. And thank you, everybody. As always, I do have to give our sponsor a quick shout out, Lion Bolt Media. If you are a real estate professional looking to grow and scale your business in the digital aspects, more saturation, more lead generation and conversion to close transactions, visit lionboltmedia.com. Uh, we are live here every Tuesday afternoon, a different Titan, a different location. We'll catch everybody in the next live episode of Real Estate Titans. Take care. Thanks, Andrew. Bye-bye.